Romans chapter 6. Uh, we studied, we went over verse 9 last time, but we'll just go through it real quick. Uh, we should finish up the section, which is what the believer must know. And that's verses, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 11. It's under the heading, what the believer must know. Uh, let's go ahead and read verses uh, 9 through 14, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer, and then dive in everything that we have. Verse 9, when you're there, say amen. 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 Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. There has been a song in my heart, in my spirit for like probably a week now, maybe even two weeks. Uh, blessed quietness. I've been thinking about that song. I I'll be honest. You yeah, ask my wife. I've been singing that song. Seems like nonstop for the past two weeks. <laughs> blessed quietness. And she's been singing it with me too. She's like, hey, that's a good song. <laughs> she said, what's that song you've been singing? I said, that's blessed quietness. I guess she had never heard it. She said, that's blessed quietness. So she did her detective stuff and got on that cell phone and <laughs> looked it up and she found the words, and Sarah was, Sarah was singing, Blessed Quiet. <laughs> Mom, so I'm thankful, I'm, I'm so thankful that we can have the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit right in, in our own personal life. It's, it's great to go to church, and the praise and worship is anointed by the Holy Spirit, because that doesn't happen everywhere. But when you have it at the church you go to, praise God, that's what it should be like in every church, but it just isn't, it's just reality of things. But if you have it at the church, amen for that, thank the Lord. And it is so good, so special to have that when, when they begin to sing a song, because really singing the song is not much different than preaching, uh, preaching the gospel if it's, uh, if it's a good song. If it's not a good song, then just throw it out. Because we just wasted your time and everybody else's time. We just leave that on the on the side. But if it's a good song about Jesus, the person of Christ, and what he has done at Calvary, or a benefit that we have because of Calvary, then while they're singing that song, you'll just have a little moment on the inside. Just, man, praise God. Man, thank you, Lord. So let somebody sing about the blood of Jesus. And tell me if you sit there just. Now it's going to be real hard. If you've had your sins washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Start singing about the blood. And on the inside the Holy Spirit. That lives on the inside of you when you get saved. Is just. Mm. Yeah that's I like that song. And it moves you. Yeah. And it causes an emotional response. It, it will cause an emotional response. 
It's the, just the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit. And it's so good to see it in a service. It's so good to, to have it when a minister is preaching. But we need it more than just on Sundays and Wednesdays. We need it every every day. And the truth is, I, I need it every moment, it seems like. Moment by moment. I need the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to face things in my life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even on Sunday. Leave the church house, somebody cuts me off. <laughs> Praise God, we just left the church. My Lord's good music. Boy, they sing about the blood of Jesus. Boy, that minister preached a good message. My Lord, it was good. Down the altar, repent for sin. Thank you, Jesus. It's so good. We just had the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit as soon as we leave the parking lot. Somebody cuts just cuts in front of me and it's moving in operation of the Holy Spirit gone. I've just lost it. I've now just let them have it. They don't know what I said, but in my vehicle, I know what I said. Well, what happened? You just we just had the moving in operation of the Holy Spirit in service in the moment we leave. We need it a lot more than just Sunday and Wednesday. We need it every oh. single day. Yes. Just about every single breath. Mm -hmm. This week, just prove what you're saying is true. It will help you in many ways. Well, I was sitting on my outdoor kitchen. Jane stuck her head out door. Come here quick. I knew something wrong with Sandra Bulls. I'm wondering how she would holler at me in the bathroom. Got water leak. Water's going everywhere. I went and cut the water. That's my epithelia. Anyway, we made it through the night. Next morning I got up. I was sitting there drinking coffee. Lord, I need your help today. First thing in the morning, I need your help today. Man, I have a lot of things to do. A little bit of handicap in one way, and in many ways I'm not. So, just went on about it. I need you to teach me how to do this and do that. Help me do this and do that. I have some heavy work to do. That's dad's biggest pick. But, to make a long story short, I just thanked him for it and went on. And things began to come to me. Every day of God, just like clockwork. I mean, not one hindrance. I knew how to do it before I got to it. All day long. Yep. And I wasn't tired of that. That's how he would help you, even do your job. Yeah, I, I just to go along with that. Uh, uh, for me, I've worked another tournament this weekend, which means that yesterday I've worked from about 7 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. all day. So I was like, man, I mean, I got another tournament next weekend. So I was like, man, I'm gonna be tired. And then I was reminded by the, by the Holy Spirit, because we can have the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And I thank the Lord for that. And I was reminded that he gives 
more grace. He gives more grace. Because the Lord, the Lord is the one that said, you need to do the class. You need to teach the class. So this is what the Lord has asked be done. So if the Lord asked me to do this, then even if I'm tired, He gives more grace. Yes. He supplies what I need to accomplish what He wants to do. That's right. Now, if it's not what He wants to do, then I'm just going to be on my own. <laughs> and He won't be given more grace. Because that's not his, it's not His that's not his plan. Yeah. But when it's his plan, and he he starts it, he says do it. Then you, it doesn't matter. I, I, it doesn't matter what happens. He will give more grace every time. He gives more grace, and I just kept. He I give more grace. I give more grace. Mm, I'm like, well, I'm gonna be tired. I give more grace. Ain't gonna be tired when that class comes. Now I might crash once it's over. <laughs> but during the class, he give, he'll give more grace. He'll provide more grace. Anyway, moving in operation of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that we can have it on a daily basis. We need it. I need it. Now let's get into this and just cruise right along. Uh, verse 9. Uh, we already covered this last class, so we'll cover it again, but it'll be really quick. And then we'll move into verse 10. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. If Christ did all of this for us, and he did, then he surely wants us to have these great victories he has won. In that, in that Christ doesn't have to die anymore tells us that his work is a finished work and in every capacity. Nothing has been left undone. Dieth no more has two meanings. The first one is he doesn't have to die again because he paid it all the first time. And the second is all the powers of sin were broken. And that means broken in the heart and life of the believer. For we are the ones for whom he did. He did. He died and rose from the dead. Dead the next Death has no more dominion over him. Dominion in the Greek, and it should be on your handout. I didn't have it last time, but I have it this time. Uh, the Greek word is there. And it means to rule, to be lord of, to exercise lordship over. Uh, the word death means deadly or to be death. In other words, it is a state of being or supremacy. Death is here spoken of as it relates to sin, for the wages of sin is death. It speaks of the entirety of the whole over the human race. With all of its byproducts of bondage, darkness, absence of life, and in this case, an absence of spiritual life. The idea is that Jesus' death, which speaks of his poured out life, relative to his poured out blood, satisfied the claims of heavenly justice. In that the sin debt was satisfied in this act, Satan now has no more hold on the human family, at least those who believe in what Christ did. Therefore, the dominion of sin, with all of its attendant results, is broken in the life of the believer who accepts what Christ did. As death holds no more dominion over Jesus, it holds no more dominion over the believer. And that refers to sin because we are in Him. We are in Christ. We've been baptized into Christ. We are in Him. So whatever is true of Him is true of us. Praise God. Everything that he has, I have. 
Death and sin are both still reality and very much in force and will continue to be until the resolution of all things. However, the force of both death and sin have no more hold in the believer's life with its dominion totally and completely broken. Every philosophy or religion pales in, into insignificance, actually nothingness in comparison to Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary and the resurrection. Verse 10. That he died, he died unto sin once. Actually means he died unto sin once for all. Christ died unto sin one time for all those who would believe upon him and therefore be baptized into him. The word sin here does not refer to acts of sin, but of Christ's death to the sinful nature of the individual. Remember we talked about uh, the definite article in front of the word sin and it would, it would exist here. So uh, it would read the sin, for in that he died unto the sin once, the sin nature. Christ's death not only paid the penalty of human sin, but it was used of God to break the power of indwelling sin in the believer's life. Hmm. And then we, I sang this song last time. Be of sin, the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Mm -hmm. We have everything that we need in Christ through Calvary. That's how we got it. It was through Calvary that we received everything that we had need of. We had a sin debt that we couldn't pay. He paid it at Calvary. We had, we had we, there was righteousness that God demanded that we didn't have, and He gave it at Calvary. We had purity that we did not have, and we could not have within ourselves. But He even did that. He He did it all. I, I'm thankful for that. I'm so beyond. I'm, I don't even have the word. My vocabulary isn't great enough to express how much that means just just for me the things the, the the things that honestly the things that can be found in the human heart the wickedness the bondages all these things that can that can be found in the human heart i'm so glad that what jesus did at calvary not only paid for the debt that i owed but also set me free from all of those things that I don't have. I don't. I don't have to obey it just because I have a, a just because I have some type of desire that I I feel a desire doesn't mean that that desire has to dictate everything that I do. That's one of the thing. One of the things. Just talk, not really talked about this morning, but. One of the things that you'll find the argument for homosexuality is that, well, I was just made this way. No, you weren't. Sin caused that. You were not originally created like that. Sin caused that. That's a, that is a result of the sin nature. And the fact that you just live that way you're dominated by the sin nature. And they said, well, yeah, but this, this is just a desire that I was born with. Just because you have a desire 
doesn't mean that that's from God. It's right and you just chase it. Right. So we just justify, just because well, it was a desire. Okay, so anybody that has a desire to murder someone, they go for it. So we just, go ahead. That's what's happening. Yeah, it's just, we just, what happened, as human beings, we're just dominated by whatever desire that we have. And I'm going to say it in a stronger way. I'm going to use a stronger word that describes it better. We're just dominated and we're just led around by every lust that is in our body. Every thought, if I think it, if I feel it, I'm going for it. No, no thought for anything else. If I have that desire, I'm going to pursue it with everything that I have. And because I have the desire, then it must be from God. No, that's by sin. And then even, I mean, there are those things that are dead, obvious, like homosexuality. But what, what a believer, I guess now it's not so obvious, but it should be real obvious that that is obviously not of the Lord. But there are things in a believer's life that are not so glaringly obvious, and and it, and it seems it's it we're tricked and deceived by it because it seems good. I'll just give you an example. I want to sing on the praise and worship, but if God didn't call you to that, that's your kingdom and not His. That's your plan, not His plan. But we just, but, but yeah, but I have that desire, so it must be from the Lord. Not necessarily get on your face and seek Him and find out. If that's His will, believe me, it will happen. Not everybody's anointed to sing. Not everybody's anointed to preach. I don't, I'm not God. I don't know why He chooses what He, I wouldn't chose me to preach. I'll be honest. If it was me, I would not have chose myself. And my dad probably feel the same way. He wouldn't have chose me either. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would, I, I know he would say the same thing. I don't know why God chose me. Not me, I'm talking about him. God, God chooses. Sometimes we have a desire to do things that are in themselves are not wrong. They're not bad. But if, if God hasn't told you to do it, then it's just your own will. Even And sometimes it's hard for us to understand that as human beings because it's like, yeah, but you know, singing worship unto God, how is that wrong? It's not, it's not that singing's wrong, but the whole idea is we want the will of God. Jesus said, he, they came to Jesus and they said, your mother... Your mother, your brother, your sister, all of them, they're, 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 they're outside. And Jesus' response was, those who do the will of my father, that's my mother, my brother, my sister. Those, those who do the will of my father, which if you just look into the structure of that, then that would be pretty strong. Yeah. That, whoa, that the will of the Father is, the, I mean, that is like supreme. Yeah. So there are things that aren't bad within themselves. But if it's not, we there are things that we can just birth within our own selves because we're just chasing after a desire that we have. 
because every if it's a good, especially if it's a good thing, if it's not something that's bad, oh well, then that must be. I've met I've met when you're in Bible college, you you get a chance to meet a lot of people, and who I'll, I'll be honest, there are people that are not called to preach that I feel like they know the word a thousand times better than I do, and I just don't get it. But they're not called to preach. And I've seen those who aren't called to preach. But they, because they love the Lord so much, they they want everybody to know about the gospel. So they have the desire to tell everybody about Jesus. And they think that that desire means I'm called to preach. But yet no door is being opened. But yet, they'll give themselves a title. Evangelist such and such. But they'll give themselves a title, but yet, the door's not opening. Well, don't call for grief. And it's sad to watch. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's sad to watch. It's not something that we look at and go, I told you. <laughs> like, you don't tell them. You don't tell them that. You're just like, man, Lord, you know. And they'll stop and talk to you for two hours in the parking lot because they're just so hungry to talk about the Lord that, well, I'm called to preach. I just can't help it. I'm called to preach. I'm called to preach. I can help you talk for two hours in the parking lot. My legs hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because it's a desire and it's not a bad desire either. It's not a bad desire to spread the word of God, to spread, the, to, to tell everyone about Jesus. But then we just interpret it as, oh, well, because I, because I have this desire, then it must mean this. And we just take it and we just run. If that's the case, you're not being led by the Spirit. You're just led by every desire and emotion that you have. That's dangerous. You're going you're gonna to face plant a lot, and it's really going to hurt. And you're going to cause death, not only to your own self, but to other people. Jesus died not only that the great sin debt be paid, which it was, but also that the believing sinner might be free from the dominion of sin and its effects thereafter. Now I need all preaching myself. That I need that. I need forgiveness of sin, but more importantly, once my sins are forgiven, I I need victory. Forgiveness, repentance, and forgiveness in itself is not victory. If you look at David's sin with Bathsheba and David's repentance, and where's it, Psalm 51? Psalms 51, David's, the psalm of his repentance, basically, about what happened with Bathsheba. Basically, this is a total paraphrase, but what David basically said was, first of all, forgive me. I've sinned. Forgive me. He didn't put it on anybody else. Me. It's nobody else's fault. It's just me. I have sinned, Lord, and I've sinned against you. Because all sin is against God. It may hurt someone else, but it's always against God. So I've sinned against you, Lord. Forgive me. And then he says, basically, change my heart so that I will not do it again. Yes. So he didn't just stop with, Lord, forgive me. And then, okay, I'm cleansed. Praise God. Because then David knew, I'll just do it again. I'll do it again. 
because the problem the problem is me. It's not just, oh, I was just in a funky circumstance and situation, and that's what caused me to. No, David realized, no, that's in me. I need a new heart. That's one of the reasons why David, that God said about David, is a man after my own heart. Because David saw, oh, oh shoot, it, uh, it's, I need a whole lot more than just forgiveness. I need, I need a new heart. Yeah. I need something more. And David saw past all the, the outward showings of the sacrifices and saw towards what it really meant. My, a redeemer. And in the Redeemer, I can have that. That was the promise. Now we, we're in the new covenant. We, we have it. When you got saved, your sins were forgiven, washed away, and you got exactly what David asked. The Lord changed my heart. I need a new heart that I won't do it again. And God has answered that prayer. At Calvary, he answered that prayer. I'm going to cleanse all of your sin as though you never failed one time, white as snow, perfect righteousness. And then I'm going to give, I'm going to answer that prayer, David, here is a new heart. Take away the stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. What we have now in Christ is the divine nature. A new heart. The old heart didn't want anything to do with God, didn't love God, didn't care two thoughts about God. And the truth is, really didn't give two thoughts about anybody else either. Everything that you did was just all selfish. Even if you did something to help somebody else out, it had a selfish motive in it. Look, well, praise God, look, I helped somebody else. I did this. Look at what I did. It's all, it, it, according to Scripture, based off of Scripture, Everything that we did before we got saved was totally selfish. It was all bad. But you got saved, totally well. Now all of a sudden you love God. Didn't care about God at all then, but now I love God. I just want to live for God. I want to get into the Word. I just I just want to spend time with the Lord. What is that? That's that's the new heart. Your new heart in operation. Where somebody says the name of Jesus and you just about ready to cry. Jesus. <laughs> it's a new heart. You got a new heart. You know, you said something a while ago concerning David's prayer, but that he said, I sinned against God, you alone. Yeah. And that's a really interesting statement. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it doesn't, at, you know, at first glance, we're like, well, wait a minute. He did sin against God, but where's my heart? Let's name all the, he, he, he should be also going and making sure that everybody else knows. I mean, he sinned against Israel, he sinned against Bathsheba, he sinned against uh, Bathsheba's husband for sure. Uh, but his focus, because he, un he understood that it was God first. All sin is against God. Yeah. And let me tell you my point that I wanted to bring up. We also, especially those of us that are saved and understand that all sin is against God, we need to understand that even when somebody else does us wrong, they sin and it affects us, we need to understand that it all is against God first. Yes. Him. 
which means that we don't have the right to take on that offense upon ourselves and hang on to it as if it was just about us. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because then, even when God forgives them, we still hang on to it. Yeah, that's God true. forgives them, and we're like, oh no, mm -mm, mm -mm. I ain't God though. I ain't God. We gotta be careful. I've heard that throughout the years. Well, Jesus might forgive you, but I'm not Jesus. Well, you, you better be. That's right. <laughs> if you are a believer and you, you, have, you are in Christ, we don't have the right to say, I'm not Jesus and I'm not forgiving you. We just yeah. don't have that right anymore. Oh, okay. And what we're doing is, what we're actually doing is, we, we're saying that the sin against me is more important than the sin against God. Yeah. 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 And we, we, we make a great error mm -hmm. when we do that. And it keeps us in bondage. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps us in a, in a bondage as a deception of, of the enemy. Yeah, it's, there, it's uh, uh, one of my favorite things about the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> Obviously, I, I use the, the outline. The Lord's Prayer, I use it as an outline, personal prayer time. And you get to that part where it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And you start thinking about all that you, all that the Lord has forgiven you from, the great, the great sin debt that you had against God and you couldn't even pay it. Yeah. Except for Jesus paid it for you. If Jesus didn't pay it for you, you out of luck. Yeah. But he paid it for you. So you, when you, when, when you're focused on what Jesus did for you at Calvary, that he paid your great sin debt that you, like huge, you could never pay it. He paid it. And then you think about the one sin debt that somebody has on you. Like, my Lord, if God can forgive my scroll of sin debt, I can't forgive my, how can I not forgive my brother the little sticky note sin debt? Because that's really the difference. Mm -hmm. One one little sin, mm -hmm. sticky note, or a scroll, because you got a scroll. Let me rephrase that. You had a scroll. Yeah. If, you, if you're in Christ, you had a scroll. And then now if you went back for that scroll, you would just find white. Yes. Just blotted out. Amen. Like nothing ever happened. But you had, you had, before you got saved, you had a list that you couldn't even, you couldn't even count, name it all. You wouldn't be able to do it. There's stuff, we, we, there was stuff we don't even know about. Yeah. That, that was sin against God. We don't even know. We, we, just, we don't even know. And the blood of Jesus cleansed all of that. So if you, if, if, what you're basically saying is that the blood of Jesus is not really sufficient enough for that one. Well, if it's not sufficient enough for that one, then it's not sufficient enough for your thousand million. Yeah. I mean, so even that that thought is uh, is an attack against the cross, whether we want to realize it or not. That's what it is. It is brought about in relationship to the believer literally dying with him. And in effect, literally in him, being buried in him, and then resurrected in him. In this manner, the dominion of sin was broken in the life of the believer. But the, but the believer must continue to exercise faith in this respect and on a never-ending basis.
When our faith is in Christ and what he did for us, we are baptized into Christ. When he died, we died. The sin nature that once was basically lording rulership over us has been kicked off of the throne. And it shouldn't shouldn't have lordship over us anymore. We're free from that. Praise God for that. Praise God, can you mean? Praise God for victory over the sin nature. Because that thing brought me so much heartache and pain. Before I got saved, just heartache and pain. And if you're not paying attention, and we'll, we'll see it as we travel through, it'll do the same thing after you see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, ne uh, the next part. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Concerns the opposite of the first phrase. The first phrase spoke of Jesus dying unto the sin nature once. And that is all that would be necessary. And now it speaks of him living, which is life derived from God. The gist of this statement is made as made by Paul is that the only way that this great victory can break down the victory that Christ won. The only way that that victory can cease to exist is if he dies. But scripture says that he already died and he will not die anymore. So, which means he's going to live forever, which means that's why the new covenant is called the everlasting covenant, because death has no more dominion over him. He will not die ever again. Death will never have any more dominion over Jesus. And because of that, the new covenant will be forever. Yeah. The sin nature is defeated forever. Mm. Praise God. One is not living according to one's own strength or ability or power, but rather that of God. Uh, and we see that in the word that it shows us unto God. The word liveth has a triple meaning. It speaks of our daily walk and consequently daily victory over sin. It speaks of more abundant life. And it speaks of life sustained by God and consequently infallible. Uh, verse 11. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. We come now to knowledge and faith. Knowledge and faith. In verses 1 through 10, Paul has presented two main facts. One, the believer stands in the position of a permanent relationship of freedom. Uh, to the sinful nature and needs not obey it. The second thing is the divine nature is imparted by which he is given both the desire and the power to do God's will. This is the inner spiritual machinery God has installed whereby the believer lives his Christian life. Like an automobile engine, this machinery works best when it is serviced regularly. There is always a change for a good for the good in a new convert. In someone that just gets born again, there will always be a change for the good. There will be things that immediately change. I mean like that. Bang. One of the things you didn't love God, now you love God. You didn't maybe even ever think about the word, and now all of a sudden you just have a love for the word that you can't even explain. There are things that just happen immediately. Yeah. 
But if he does not understand this interchange and adjust himself properly to it, he lives a mediocre Christian life. If you do not understand what Christ really accomplished at Calvary, that you were you died with him. That you you you've died. You the truth is we've died to more things than we even know. When when Christ said it is finished and the new covenant was installed, bang. We had more than we even knew. When you first got saved, you had so much more than you thought you had. It's like it kind of reminds me of like a, a I got like a little multi-tool at home. And when you first pull that multi-tool out, the first thing you can visibly see is those pliers. You can open the sucker up and bang, pliers. But you got a whole lot more than just pliers in that multi-tool. But if you just act like all you got is pliers, then the rest is good. It won't ever get you. Same thing with the phone. These smartphones, you could have this phone and you might only know how to make a phone call and that's it. And you know what? You'll use it to make phone calls and receive phone calls. But you got a whole lot more at your fingertips than just making and receiving phone calls. But if you don't know it, then that's all you're going to use it for. Until someone comes along who knows a little bit more about that phone, the, the, I'm not a technology person, so Sarah teaches me most of my phones to her technology period. <laughs> but someone comes along and says, man, that's pretty cool. You know that you can you can uh, get on the internet with that? I'm like, well, no, I didn't know that. All. I knew I could get phone calls and make phone calls, but I get on the internet? Like, yeah, you can search stuff on that. And then they show you how to do that. Now you know, that's it, baby. I can make phone calls, receive phone calls, and I can get on the internet, search stuff. <laughs> Praise God. And then somebody else, well, you know that you can send text messages with that phone? Text messages, what? And you're just learning all these different things that your phone can do. Yeah. And you know what? It could always do it. That's right. But until you knew, you just operated in what you knew. That's right. You just, I'm just, and you thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And you can make a phone call like that. And you can receive, I don't, I don't have to wait till I get home and use the landline. Praise God. Or those big car phones. <laughs> <laughs> I remember them from, uh, what was that? Uh, Saved by the Bell. You remember when I was a young kid watching Saved by the Bell? I remember they had that big old, like, big old cell phone. Yeah. But they used to have one that was basically in a big duffel bag. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, like, like put it in the trunk of your car. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's called a bag phone. <laughs> you, it's like, <laughs> so you thought, man, this is great. I can carry this little bitty phone around and do all this. But that thing had so much more potential and you just didn't know it. I'm here to tell you that in the gospel, yeah. in the finished work of Calvary, we got a whole lot more than we think we have. Yes. We get saved and our sins are gone and we rejoice in what we know. We rejoice in that. Praise God, my sins are gone. And then if that's all, if, if no one ever teaches you 
Romans 6, 7, and 8 properly, then you go about living as though you're forgiven and your sins are gone, but yet you're still struggling with sin. Even after you're saved. Still struggling with sin. Maybe it's just me. No. See, this is where sometimes it's like, I'm like, damn. If people know that I'm not, if they know that I'm not Jesus Christ, that's how we think sometimes. Well, if somebody, if they knew what I was really, if they knew what was really going on inside, going on inside, they throw me out of this building. They would think, they would think I'm chief among sinners. And I'm saved and truly love the Lord. But yet, well, we just, you know, we don't want to, I, I, can I just be honest? That's why I, I feel, I think that that's one of the biggest reasons why a minister can preach a, a, a sermon anointed by the Holy Spirit and the, the Spirit of God is pricking hearts all across the church building, but yet when the altar call comes, I dare I'm going to stand up and go down to the altar because then people will think that I'm a sinner. <laughs> and then they'll know that I'm struggling with something. And I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I can't. <laughs> what do you care about? You care about the thoughts of men? Because the Lord already knows what's happening on the inside. You better off just running down to the altar. Forget everybody else. Lord, I need some help. Lord, I need grace. Lord, just let that prayer of David. Lord, change my heart. When I was in Bible college, you know what I found out in Bible college? My Lord, I, I, have, a, I have idolatry in my heart. I desire to be married. What was an idol in my life? And I couldn't, I didn't know, I didn't know how to stop it. And it just controlled my whole life. I didn't know what to do. It ruined everything. It drove me into alcoholism. It drove me into drugs. It drove me into all kinds of stupid stuff because it, I felt the pain because that desire wasn't getting met when I thought it should have been met. Because it's my life and the Lord hates me and on and on and on. And on. Those are the thoughts that go through my mind. That's just me. I, just, I can just tell you about me, but that was the thoughts going through my mind. And when I was in Bible college, and I, for years I struggled with it, I could not get it to go away. And it just controlled my life. I couldn't even live for God because it just controlled me. I could only, it seemed like I could only go so far until, bam, there was that giant standing right there in front of me. But if you let the devil have a foothold, he can ruin your whole life. Yeah, and, and I did. The problem was that there was something in my heart that I didn't know how to get rid of, and because I was ignorant to the Word of God and how to have victory over, how to receive grace from God, because I didn't know that, then. Every time I would, I would, I could only go so far, and every time I'd get to that giant, I would, I, I'd, I'd stop living for the Lord, basically. 
I started looking like I'm not even saved. Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad you passed that? I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad. And but it and, defeats a lot of people, though. You know, yeah, some people never make like it past. That's right. They never yeah. make it past because mm-hmm. they don't know how. They don't know what they have in, in Christ. It's like they crash and burn. They do. And it's just a cycle. It was just yeah. a cycle in my yeah. life. Just yeah. a nonstop. Yeah. Just like going around the same mountain. Same mountain. Yeah. Same mountain. Yeah. Same mountain. Yeah. And I was so, I, I was exhausted. I didn't even know what to do. I cried out to God for months and months and months. And then the Lord brought me to Bible college. And then even in Bible college, there was that giant. Yeah. And and it was just right there. It was just always there, right there. Man. And I would cry out to the Lord on my face, on the floor. Lord, I see it. I see it. It is wrong. I see that it's wrong. And that's just me. Change me, Lord. Change me. And through the message of the cross, I learned how to receive grace. I learned that that Christ had already defeated it. That I didn't I didn't have to fight it. It was already defeated. And like the scripture says, Paul says basically talking about the old man, take it off like a garment. It, it he didn't say take it off like a straight jacket. Take it off like a garment, just like my dad's jacket. Just Take it off and lay it aside. Now, if you don't know, if you try to take it off and lay it aside without knowledge of Christ won the victory, you can't do it. You'll lose. You'll lose because you never take it off because you're trying to do it within your own self. And when you do that, that starts to kill you. But when you understand Christ already did this, my Lord, I don't even need, I don't even need this. This is just... You just lay it aside. I have everything I need in Jesus. Just lay it aside. Lay it aside. And I went through that in Bible college. And I found out Jesus already defeated that giant. One of the things when I looked at that story, David and Goliath, that David called him the uncircumcised Philistine. And the Lord reminded me just from that word, uncircumcised. The Lord reminded me of Colossians. And Colossians, to be honest, is basically just commentary on Romans 6. So, we'll just flip to Colossians. Okay, uh, verse 11. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses through the uncircumcision of your flesh. The old man and the things that go along with the old man, the uncircumcised flesh, who you were before you got saved, because not all of those things just off right away. 
So sometimes it just seems like a giant. And for me, I would say, love, love the Lord. Even filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And yet, there was that giant. And actually, in the story, David, David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of God, basically? Who defies God? And your old man, just to let you know, the, your old man, the, uh, the sin nature, the old man defies God. It stands across from you and it defies God. Goliath told that I'm going to I don't even care about your God. Don't care. I'm going to kill you. And now I'm just going to give you your flesh to the birds. Basically. And the old man will you it will stand there and defy the finished work of Calvary. It is not a, the victories are just not like whoo. I, I sang the song in here. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy. And the hill or the hill would not be hard to climb. He never promised a victory. Yeah, he never offered our victories yeah. without fighting. But he said help would always come in time. Just remember. When you're standing in the valley of decision, just because there's a there's a, a bit of a struggle there, Pharaoh didn't let go, didn't let the children of Israel go. But it didn't mean that victory wasn't already won. It, in the mind of God, it's a done deal. So there, you're gonna through your Christian walk, through the sanctification process. I, I just I just want to encourage you right now. You're going to see a giant, and then when that one's defeated, you'll see another giant. And then when that one's defeated, there will be another one, and another one, because that's the whole sanctification process. So you're going to run into giant after giant after giant after giant. They might not all look the same. They'll come in different situations, different circumstances. Those will come, and then those will just bring up the giant that's already in your heart. It'll be there. It's going to be there. We have we have sin in our heart right now that we don't even know about. Until God allows the fire retrial of circumstances and situations that just bring up to the surface what's already there. The gold and the silver and the refining process already has those... Uh, Imperfections, those uh, the dross in it already. If you just look at it, you can't see it. But it doesn't mean it's not there. Welcome to the human heart. <laughs> Sin that we don't even know about. It's already there. Nobody caused it. It's already existed in your heart. And then just the situation and circumstance comes along and shows it. For me, I, the, the idea that Basically, my desire to have a wife and be married was an idol in my heart. What brought that to the surface was the fact that it didn't happen when I thought it should have. And it was prolonged. prolonged. That, that horrible four-letter cuss word, wait. <laughs> That's what showed me what was in my heart. Whoa, Tanner, it's an idol. But if that never would have happened, I never would have saw it. But it was revealed, and then he just scooped it off the top. 
And if he would have never done that, who knows what would have happened. Praise God, I'll never know. You'll right. still be trying to make your own life. <laughs> <laughs> right. so be, still be chugging away. <laughs> uh, in verses 11 through 13, we see that that which the believer must do if he expects the best results from this interchange God has already wrought in him. The believer must reckon himself dead to sin and reckon himself alive to God. The word reckon, you can see it on your handout, uh, is to reckon, count, compute, to take into account. Paul is exhorting the saints that in their endeavor to live a life in accordance with the word of God, they should take into account the fact that they are dead to the sin nature, that they have been disengaged from the evil nature, that it has no power over them anymore, that they are free from it and can live a victorious Christian life. If, if, we, don't, if we don't know that and order our life according to that, we'll, we'll have sin all over the place. Yeah. And it won't just be present, it'll be dominating. It'll just take over your whole life. This is the knowledge which comes about through the teaching given by Paul in this sixth chapter of Romans. The believer is to also have faith in this knowledge. So it's not good enough to just hear it and, and learn it, but you gotta have faith in it. You gotta believe it. <laughs> I, we can just, we can just, I can stand up here and teach it. You gotta blue in the face. But if you, if if it's never mixed with faith in your heart then it's useless. Mm -hmm. But it's not the fact that it's useless, it's that it just didn't get mixed with faith. So it becomes void, basically. The believer is also to take into account the fact that he is alive to God, that is, that the divine nature has been imparted with the result that this nature gives him both the desire and the power to regulate his life in accordance with the word of God. The mere fact of saying this or even repeating it over and over affects no positive results within itself. One must have a working knowledge of what Jesus has done for us. Understanding that a part of that great work was to give us dominion over sin in our everyday lives. Having faith in that and a continuing everyday working faith in that, that is what brings the victory. I've got... I, Tanner, I have got to take up my cross daily. I've got to take up the benefits of Calvary on a daily basis. That means forgiveness of sins, the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit, the, the divine nature on the inside, baptism into Christ, death to the sin nature. I've got to take that benefit up on a daily basis. And if I don't, Sin will have dominion over me. It does. It does mean that I can't. If I can just, I can just repeat. If I, if I just go about it every day, just repeating it. Well, I'm dead in Christ. I'm dead in Christ. I have victory over sin. But I never really believe it. It's just words, and I could just repeat it, and I can say that all day long and still be fair, mm -hmm. and still be dominated by sin. Because just saying it, it doesn't mean anything. You can just repeat it. That's kind of the idea, one of the ideas between this name it and claim it tonight. Well, if I just, if I just, well, you know what, brother, just repeat it. You're an overcomer in Christ. 
I'm an overcomer in Christ. I'm an overcomer in Christ. And I can repeat that all day long and not be an overcomer in Christ because I don't even understand how I'm an overcomer in Christ. I'm just saying I'm an overcomer in Christ. And I have no idea that I've been baptized into Christ, crucified with Him, that I'm dead to the old man, dead to the old way of life, dead to the sin nature, that when it comes knocking on my door, praise God, I don't have to answer. And when it's when that lust, whatever it is, the desire comes not comes calling. Take it's time to no 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 no. Because I'm in Christ, and this has already been defeated, and we'll see it as we get farther along after a little bit more into Romans, but it fits right in. So I don't have to yield my members because I'm not a slave. To that anymore. Yeah, but the desire comes. Well, what do you do when the desire comes? I don't have to yield my member because Jesus defeated. Yes. Mm. Well, you know, no, brother, you got to work. No, no, that's not what scripture says. It says believe. Believe that Jesus has done it. When you believe in what Jesus did at Calvary, you about to have the help of the person of the Holy Spirit who will come right alongside of you. But if you don't look to Calvary, you're on your own. The Holy Spirit can only help you if your faith is in what Jesus did at Calvary. Yes. You want victory over sin? Put your faith in put your faith in the fact that Jesus defeated it at Calvary. That you're baptized into Him when He was crucified. You were crucified, and because of that, you don't have you don't have to yield your members to the sin nature. You don't have to yield your members to that. Uh, lust to that desire that's wrong you have to yield your members to that not because you're so great because Jesus already did it and when you do that the Holy Spirit comes right alongside of you that's the idea of the song he never, he never promised that the cross would not get heavy that the heel would not be hard to climb and later on but help will always come in time. Right on time. That reminds me of that hey song. Blessed quietness. <laughs> My Lord, since the person of the Holy Spirit came alone because of Calvary, sometimes I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I feel like I might not even make it. But then... I just, I'm Lord, I'm just trusting and believing. I'm just trusting and believing. I don't see the victory. This dang giant is still standing there and it's still defying the finished work of power. But I'm just going to keep believing that what Jesus did is enough. There's nowhere else to go, nothing else to do. He said it is finished, which means I don't have to do anything but believe. I don't have to turn to anything else. Nobody else has the answer. I can go ask the pastor. I can go to his office every single day. But yet, the answer that he should be giving me is it is finished. Whatever you need, he's paid for it already. You just keep believing. Keep trusting. Keep believing. And then what you'll find is the person of the Holy Spirit, when you just keep believing, you persevere in faith in what Christ has already done, then the Spirit of God, when you need it the most, 
It's going to just come right along, rise up on the inside of you, and it won't even matter if you're at church on Sunday or Wednesday. It'll probably happen on Saturday when you're by yourself. No one else is around. And then on the inside, the Spirit of God will just say, it will be okay. Amen. I'm in control. I'm with you through the fire, through the flood. I'm with you always. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And then you just have a peace. Everything is still the same. Your circumstance, situation hasn't changed at all. But yet, before, you were just so destroyed, you didn't know what to do. Now you praise God. But yet, everything's still the same. Nothing has changed. But yet, now, the only thing that's changed is you. Because now you're looking in the right place. Before, you're just looking at what's not happening. But then you start looking at the right place. Calvary. Yeah, but this giant. Well, already been defeated. My Lord, it is finished. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. It's promised that it's already been done. And, the, and when, you, when you do that, what you have just done is you have just uncuffed the hands of the Holy Spirit. When your faith is in the cross, in what Jesus did for you, the Holy Spirit is free to operate on you and move and work in your own heart and life. If you look anywhere else but Calvary, the Holy Spirit is handcuffed and he can't help you. That's, that's the way that God has set it up. A lot of times we say, well, we... we we can't put God in a box. God placed himself in a box because he's just, he's righteous, he's holy, he's loving. We, there's a lot more characteristics to God than just one. And there are spiritual laws in effect and we'll see them as we travel through Romans. And God being just and righteous has to abide by the laws that he has set in place. Remember we talked about uh, the book of Esther. That the laws of the Medes and the Persians, if they enacted a law, it was a law forever. So when the law was enacted in the book of Esther, that the Jews would be, they were, that on a such and such a date, they were going to be killed. That law was in effect for forever. So the only thing that Artaxerxes could do was make another law for that law. Because he couldn't, he couldn't abolish that law. The law of sin and death exists in the world right now. It is a spiritual law. You sin, you die. That's a spiritual law. God has set it up. He can't just take that law away. Just like the law of the Medes and Persians. You can't just take it away. It's forever. The law of sin and death is forever. But there is one law and only one more powerful than the law of sin and death. And it is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Just like it's, it's not, we're not there yet, but this is where we are in the class. So <laughs> it, just like the law of gravity can only be overcome 
by the law of aerodynamics. The law of gravity doesn't disappear because of the law of aerodynamics. The law of aerodynamics is just greater than the law of gravity. The law of gravity, you drop something, it's going to fall. That'll, that's never going to change. That's a law. It's a physical law. The same way that there are basically physical laws like that, the same way that there are those laws, they're spiritual laws. So the only way you overcome gravity is law of aerodynamics. The only way you overcome the law of sin and death, the law of the spirit of life and Christ. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. We're not even there yet. That's in, that's in Romans 8. I can't wait. I mean, I can't wait. With this, we just, I feel like we're just dipping toes in the water. My Lord, there's a river, and I'm ready to just jump in. The moving goes back, back to what I said at the very beginning. The moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit. I need that in my heart and life every day. Not just for service. Not just when I stand up and do what God's called me to do. I need the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit just to do that. Otherwise, I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my breath. Because yeah. if He doesn't reveal it to hearts and lives, I'm, I, I can't do anything. I need it revealed to me. I don't know. Reveal it to somebody else. I can just teach. That's it. But I need it. I need it in my everyday life. For life and living. Not just for service. I need it for life and living. And what what hasn't been taught in the church world is not. I, I, we know about the Holy Spirit for service. I'm just be, we'll just be honest. Most of the church world, especially if you Pentecostal in any way, then we, we, we've had an understanding about we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit for service. But what we haven't understood is how to have the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit for life and living. So what's been taught is that, well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for life and living. No, that's for service. Well, we got to live holy. You do. But you can't do that without the help of the Holy Spirit. And we just hadn't known how to get the help of the Holy Spirit. When we are through with this, with Romans 6, 7, and 8, I pray that we all know. Now, on a daily basis, I, I, if I learn how to receive grace, the help of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, <laughs> we should be the... If we truly understand the message of the cross and the way that God works, we should be some of the most holy people there are. Yeah. Some of the most sanctified, set-apart people that there are. I believe... One of the ways that there's going to be a real separation of who is the Lord's is that through the understanding of how to receive grace on a daily basis that for life and living, that it's going to be like night and day for people that understand it and don't. Because if you don't, you can't properly go through sanctification. Some things will be changed. But a lot of things won't. And you'll be saved and you love the Lord, but yet you'll in 20 years they'll be pretty much the same as they were. There will be no change. 
Because sanctification is progressive. So there will be no change. We'll still be looking the same. In 20 years, they'll still be looking the same. Yeah. Well, I still, still, still cussing. Saved. Still struggling with the gossip and tongue. But you understand the message of the cross? Look, honey, in five years, <laughs> a lot's going to change. In five years, what you are right now, when you understand how to receive the grace of God on a daily basis to help you live right, to help you walk right, because that's more of our life than anything else. Walk, our walk before the Lord is more of our life than ministry is. But we haven't really understood how to walk right. And if you don't, the truth is, it's, it's going to affect your ministry too. But when you learn how to walk right, you learn how to walk right, and we start, and things start changing. Well, in, in where I'm here right now, and in five years, I'm way up here. And things that I dealt with and struggled, I might have had a gossiping tongue, but I understood how to receive grace from the Lord on a daily basis. And then in five years, I took off that garment of gossip, brother. And that's fruit. Yes. Christ likeness. I looked, I was looking at something a little early. And it talked about basically judge a tree by its fruit. A lot of times we think of that fruit and we just look at it. I've done it myself. Fruit. Oh, okay, like doing this and doing that. Doing this and doing that. Well, praise God. Look at the fruit from that. Boy, they are doing all of these things. They are working so hard for the Lord. But the fruit is Christ's likeness. You can be working till, you, till your hands fall off for the Lord. And yet, no character. No Christ likeness character. There's no change. But the fruit is disconnected from the vine. Because the fruit is really not fruit. It's just laboring. It's just laboring and it, it looks like Oh man, they're doing so, they're doing great things for the Lord. But yet the character is never changing. And everything that they do is just going to burn up. At the judgment seat of Christ, it's just going to burn up. It's just dead words. Ministry is like this much of my life. A lot of times, and especially if you're called into ministry, we make that. Well, praise God, ministry. Christ, Christ likeness. You got saved to be conformed into the image of Christ. You didn't get saved to do ministry. You got saved to be formed into the image of Christ. So the supreme goal, when I got saved, I began on the path of Christ likeness. That's what Paul was, talking about. Paul was talking about in Philippians. I press toward the mark of the high calling. What was that? Christ likeness. My Lord, when the trump of God sounds, we're going to be like him. Amen. That's the goal. Be like him. That's what we press toward. Christ likeness. Christ likeness. Not ministry. 
Not ministry, not ministry, not goals, not this, not that. Christ likeness, which means you need grace every day. <laughs> you need grace every single day. And he's provided it. There are things in me right now that don't even need to be there. Lord, I need, here I am, Lord, to the throne room of grace. Which, the way Sister Angela put it, is beautiful. Our Lord's like, a, like for adults, you know, for, it's like Sam's, baby. Woo! Going in Sam's club. <laughs> the throne room of grace. Whatever you need, you can find in Sam's. And you know what the best news is? Mark, you can get it in bulk, brother. <laughs> You can get the grace of God in bulk. Yes. The throne room of grace. And just like she said, she asked those kids. If I told you Toys R Us, you can just go into Toys R Us. And it's, you can just have what, everything that you anything you want, you can have. It's basically free. What would you do? She said, them kids said, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. And just fill up that bucket. That's what you can do. The throne room of grace. What, what do you need? What do you need? Every there were places where Jesus asked, "What would you have me to do?" What, what do you need? What would you have me to do? In the Greek, what you need, brother? <laughs> what do you need? I need forgiveness. You can have it. It's in the throne of grace. That's yours, brother. Reach out and take it. In Sam's. Don't move grace. I got it in bulk too. <laughs> Forgiveness. I need righteousness. Yeah. What would you what would you have me to do? I need righteousness, Lord. I was seven. I love no grace. All you need. Well, everything that you have me, Lord, I need victory over this. I need victory over this. It's yours. Grace, divine grace, in our time of need. Yes. Just enter into that heavenly sand room, shopping center. It's free. Cool. If it's free, it's for me. Yes. If it's free, it's for me. And it's free. Victory over whatever you're struggling with. You can have victory over it today, right now. It's already been done. It's already been given. You just got to reach out by faith. Take it, put it in your basket.